Hi, Juliet here with a quick message before this episode starts. Everything you need to be more strategic amid the busyness of the school term is contained in the 170 plus episodes of this podcast. But sometimes you can get there a bit faster with some personalised help. I host a termly online workshop specifically designed to help the support staff within schools to make the shift from being reactive to strategic. Our next workshop is coming up soon and we're going to be reflecting on how things have gone this academic year and strategising for the academic year to come so that you can confidently prioritise your workload, overcome the obstacles that are holding you back and redirect your time and focus onto your priorities. At the end of the session, I promise you're going to be feeling more energised, ready to hit the ground running with a clear plan of action. This term's workshop is going to be run on Thursday the 16th of May, and you can find out more and book your place at www.consultjuliet.co.uk slash plan. I hope to see you there. Now, let's launch into this episode. Welcome to the Independent School Podcast. This is the place for senior school leaders to discover innovative ideas and actionable tips that are going to help to strengthen their school's income streams and secure its future. My name's Juliette Corbett and I'm a consultant, speaker and facilitator specialising in independent schools. So thanks for joining me today and let's get started on this week's episode. Hello and welcome to this episode. So today we're going to be looking at how you can boost your major gifts income by using a moves management system. Now, some of you may remember that back in episode 11, I was talking about the importance of spending time on major gifts fundraising within your school fundraising function. And the reason for this is because major gifts fundraising has a higher return on investment than pretty much anything else you can do in your development office. So it's really important that you are as effective as possible within your major gifts fundraising. So moves management is a way of boosting your effectiveness in this area. It's a way of managing the major donors or major prospects you have in your school community and a way of being as effective as possible and as efficient as possible. So I want to make this episode as accessible as possible. So I'm going to be introducing um, some of the concepts quite slowly so that this is really accessible to people who are quite new to fundraising, heads, bursars, governors and so on, as well as getting into some detail a little bit later on so that directors of development who are running more established offices can get something from this time that we spend together as well. So Hopefully everyone will get something from this episode, whether or not you have a major gifts activity at the moment, or indeed whether or not you have a development office currently. So I'm going to start off by talking about the major gifts pipeline. I'm going to move on to talking about what moves management actually is, followed by why I think you should be using it. We're going to reflect on some of the benchmarking data about how much it's currently used in UK independent schools. And then I'm going to give you a five step process to get you started in creating a moves management system for your school. Okay, so let's dive in and think first of all about the major gifts pipeline. Now, this is a way that fundraisers manage people who have the potential to give a major gift to their organisation 
And it has various different stages and each individual person moves through these stages, which is why it's called a pipeline. It's based very vaguely on um, the sales pipeline that you might be familiar with if you've done any sales work before. So the first stage is identification. And this is where someone first enters the pipeline because that name has cropped up as being someone who may have the potential to give a major gift to your school. Now you can define yourself what you mean by major gift. For some schools with an established office, that's going to be £50,000, £100,000. For other schools who are just starting out, that might be £5,000 or even less. That's fine. doesn't matter what the level is, but the first step is to identify people who might be able to give at that level. So that means you're basically going to end up with a long list of names. The second stage is the qualification stage. And this is where you do a bit of research to understand those individuals' willingness to give and ability to give. So you're looking at what is their current connection to your school? What is their um, philanthropic giving generally? How willing are they going to be to give? And in ability to give, you're looking at somebody's income and their assets. But don't overdo this. This is a quick research stage, a quick Google search, a quick look at the information you have about them. You don't need to over-research, but it's a quick check that this person actually is a potential major gift prospect. The third stage is the cultivation stage. Now, this is the one that takes the longest. And this is where you want to get to know these people and you want to guide them through a journey so that they slowly understand what the school is all about currently. It may be if they're an alum, that their information is slightly outdated. So what are your current priorities? Get to know about them and their priorities and their philanthropic giving, and then slowly introduce them to the idea that they could support you and your project. So again, you're checking their willingness and ability to give in the conversations that you're having with them. That's gonna be much more accurate than any desk research you could have done previously but you're also going to be slowly warming them up. And this is the cultivation stage. This is the really um, lengthy process of building that relationship with the prospect. The next stage you take people through is called solicitation, which is basically a fancy word for asking them. So you ask them to join you in supporting your fundraising project. This is what's often called the ask. And then if that's successful, you go on to the stewardship phase. So this is where you thank them for their donation and you look after them. And if that solicitation is not successful, depending on the feedback you get from the prospect, it may be that you continue to cultivate them over time for for a gift in the future. So you're taking people on a journey and certainly in the stages of cultivation, solicitation and stewardship, so those final stages, You want them to feel that it is a personalised and authentic relationship that they're building with the school. It needs to feel from their point of view like they're not being processed in any way. It needs to feel like you are genuinely interested in getting to know them and that you want them to become part of a greater part of the school community or a more involved part of the school community. So as you guide people on that journey to get to know you better and so that you get to know them better, as you guide people on that journey, each of those steps could be called a move. And this is where we get the phrase move management. 
So if each of those steps in that process of warming up and asking a prospect is a move, then it's not surprising to hear that moves management is a system for managing that journey that you take people on. So some people associate it purely with the way that you use your database. And it's sort of considered to be, you need to have a sophisticated database to enter all of this moves management process, and then to produce sort of really comprehensive reports about who's which stage, future income stream projections, and so on. And certainly in big fundraising offices, and I've seen this in in all pretty much of the big university fundraising offices, yes, that is how it's used. But at its heart, it's much more than just a way you use a database and report on your future income stream. It's a way of thinking and planning your work with major prospects so that you can guide them on this journey. So why should you use it in your school? So moves management has a number of benefits. So firstly, from the school's point of view, you really need a way to systematise moving people along this pipeline, making it feel personal to them. But at the same time, you need a process which is robust enough that you can handle as a director of development or as a head who's fundraising on their own, a significant number of prospects through this pipeline. Not everybody is going to give. You need numbers of people in this pipeline. So a director of development might be trying to handle, I don't know, 50 prospects at any one time at various different stages of this pipeline. You certainly cannot do that in your head. You can't do that in a scattergun way, especially when it's alongside all of the other day-to-day tasks that you're handling. So by having a system, you reduce the risk of dropping a prospect at busy times when you've just got lots on your plate or, and this is really important, when there's staff turnover. So by using a system like Moves Management, you reduce that risk of dropping prospects when there's staff turnover. And people get really miffed if if you've started them on this journey and you kind of forget about them at some point along the way. It's just not professional. The other advantage of it is it's a great way of measuring your progress at all stages of the pipeline. So The obvious measure of success for fundraisers is the amount of money that they've raised, which is fantastic. And that's that's important. But that's only a measure of how many people you're getting to the solicitation stage of your pipeline. And a lot of hard work goes in before that point. So if you can measure progress by looking at how many people are at each stage of that pipeline, then that's a much more robust way of measuring how you're doing. A moves management process allows you to have a system in place where you can see much more clearly where you are with each of your people that you're guiding on that journey. It's also a really great way of communicating with senior leaders and governors who may not have a great knowledge of fundraising practice. So by having a moves management system and then reporting on it, you can actually educate them and inform them about how major gifts fundraising works. The fact that it takes time to develop these relationships, the fact that people often give smaller test gifts first before moving on to a more substantial gift, and also the fact that not every top prospect in your pool is going to give. 
You have to be robust enough to know that you need lots of people in that pipeline in order to produce a sustainable flow of gifts to your school. So those are all really good reasons to do it from the school's point of view, but there are also benefits from the prospective donor's point of view as well. So it needs to feel personalised to them. They do not want to feel like they are being processed through a moves management system. But done well, it shouldn't feel like that. It should still feel authentic and personal. And we'll talk about that in a few moments with the five-step process I'll introduce to you. But the main benefit for these prospective donors is that they are not going to get dropped partway along that journey. If you say you're going to do something and follow up with some certain information, you will do it because you have this system in place to take that next step, to make that next move. So from their point of view, assuming you're doing it well and it still feels personal to them, the great advantage to them is that the risk of them being dropped at any point due to staff turnover or how busy you get is far reduced if you're using a moves management process. So the really surprising piece of information from my point of view, given all of those benefits and that it's not this, it's not that complicated to, to get this system in place. The big surprise to me is how few schools are using it here in the UK. So the Institute of Development Professionals Education, IDPE, produced a benchmarking report in 2018 and they found that only 57% of schools raising over 1 million were using a moves management system. And for the schools that were raising less, it was an even lower percentage. So only 43% of schools raising between 100,000 and 500,000 are using a moves management system. And this is also borne out by my experience when I speak to fundraisers in schools. These percentages feel about right to me. It always surprises me that there are more schools using this system. There are lots of opportunities for schools to boost their major gifts income by having a better system in place and by using moves management. Okay, so now I'd like to outline my five step process to get you started on your moves management. So this is assuming that you haven't been using this system before. But if you have and you want to review and reflect on your current system, then I'm sure you can adapt these steps as well. So this, as I said before, is not about starting with your database and your IT system. This is about brainstorming the way that you are forming relationships with major donors and the journey you are taking them on. So I want you to have that mindset in place when you go through these five steps. This is not about your, how your database works. This is about guiding people on that journey. So step one, I want you to produce a whole host of post-it notes one for each of the activities that you currently use to cultivate people or to steward people. Each of these is a move. So if you write down one post-it note for each activity that you're currently using, and this could be anything, even if you've only done it once. So this could be afternoon tea with the head, a tour of the school. Obviously, these can all be virtual where necessary. Meetings with other key senior leaders and governors, meet and greet sort of sessions with the pupils or getting involved with particular classes or talks to pupils and so on. VIP invitations to school events, both in terms of where they're seated, but also in terms of drinks receptions and so on before and after the event. 
handwritten notes with pieces of school news, sort of, I just thought you might like to know, this popped into my head, I thought you'd be interested. Covering letters which personalise school publications, which highlight particular articles or news which you think might be of particular interest to them. Birthday cards, Christmas cards, the list goes on and on. All the different things that you have used to generate relationships or to to build relationships with potential donors. So put a post-it note down on the table for each one of those and spread them out. Obviously, doing this with a team is going to be more effective because you're going to have lots of new ideas. And of course, there are ways you can do this on video call if that's how you want to do it. Step two is to then look at what you've got on the table and reflect on each of those. So think about what worked well. Why did it work well? Did it work well for some prospects, but not others? And why was that? What else could you try? What's missing? What do other schools do? What have I listed in that list just a few moments ago that you haven't tried yet? What new ideas could you come up with? How can you adapt each of those ideas for overseas prospects or if you need to be doing virtual um, events for people given the pandemic and so on? How can you adapt each of those for your overseas prospects? What about prospects with special interests? So if people are particularly interested in sport or music, what kind of additional activities could you put down a new post-it note and put on the table, which could build a relationship with those individuals? And what about moves which specifically tie into your fundraising project? So if you've got a particular focus on bursaries or on a capital campaign, what are the activities you could do which deepen people's connection to those fundraising projects. And also don't forget what are called the background moves. So these are the activities that everybody gets regardless. So that might be thinking about the flow of newsletters, email newsletters, social media, school publications, etc, etc. So those are the things which aren't necessarily going to be um, specifically aimed at cultivating your major prospects, but they're still going to carry on going on in the background because they're going out to everybody in your community. So once you've reflected on all these post-it notes, you've probably added a few more to the table, which is great. You may have taken a couple of things off the table because you've decided actually we did do that, but it's consistently not worked as well as we wanted it to. That's fine. So you've got on the table in front of you a whole host of post-it notes of ideas of different activities that you could do. Each one is a move. So step three is to put these into an order. I want you to create little flowcharts of moves which you can use for different situations. So you might need to rewrite some of your post-it notes because some of them might appear in more than one flowchart. So for example, let's think about a mid-level prospect, someone who's able to give but not necessarily at the very top of your range of giving. The first move might be an email invitation for a video call with the director of development. The second move might be three days later, if you haven't heard back from them, they get a follow-up phone call from the director of development to set up that call. The third move would be the actual video call that would happen. And you'd want to think about how you choreograph that. The fourth move might be immediately after that call, the director of development writes a personalised note card to say thank you, it was wonderful to meet you and pop it in the post. I know that's slower, but I think that the personalised handwritten note card is really effective these days. 
One week later, you might have the next move, which is an invite via email to attend a termly VIP Q&A with the head. And then the next move after that might be two weeks later, an email from the director of development that's a, a personalized email that says, I saw this particular piece of school news or this particular thing happened in school. And I thought you might be interested to hear about it as soon as it happened. So you've crafted a flowchart of post-it notes with arrows between to show the, the sorts of moves that you might put in an order to effectively cultivate and steward that individual. Now you're going to end up with multiple flowcharts because different things will be appropriate for different types of prospect, depending on what level you think they're able to give at, depending on whether or not you're able to do face-to-face activities with them or not, whether it all has to be virtual. So you're going to end up with a whole variety of little flowcharts. Step four is then to get your system ready. So this is where you think about, okay, can we use our database to enact this little flowchart? Do we need this to be much more simple? We can't use our database. We need to just have a series of flowcharts that we can keep in our shared Google Drive and we can refer to to inspire each time we're thinking about a prospect, what the next set of moves might be. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't have to be massively sophisticated. But it must do two things. It must inspire you to continue building a relationship with each individual so that every time you have a prospect, you're not thinking about how do I build an entirely personalised from scratch journey for this person? It must be something that you can go to, which gives you a starting point that you can then personalise from for the journey you want to take somebody on. The second thing it must do is it must have a way to remind you of tasks as they need to happen because you are not going to hold all this in your head. You need to have a way through your database or your email system or whatever it is, a way that tasks flash up on your monitor as and when they need to happen. But it doesn't have to be a complex database change that you need to go through to make this happen. It can be quite straightforward if it needs to be. And then the final step is the obvious final step. You need to actually put this into action and personalise it for prospects that you're working with. So start with a couple of prospects and actually start to personalise this process. You still need to be agile. It needs to feel personalised for the individual, but hopefully it will give you a much more streamlined way to think about how you're going to develop those journeys for those individual prospects. So I would be really interested to hear your feedback on this. This is something that I've worked with a number of schools on. If you've got questions on this, I run regular Q&A video calls for school fundraisers. So if you want to sign up to my newsletter, that's the best way to hear about those as they come up. So if you go to www.consultjuliet.co.uk slash sign up, then you can get onto my email newsletter list and then you'll hear about those Q&As as they happen. Hopefully this has been useful for you. I wish you the best of luck. Please do focus more of your time on Major Gifts fundraising. That's where you're going to get the results. And please do use a process like this to get a more robust system in place so that you can handle a larger number of prospects through that pipeline. Perfect. That's it for this week. I look forward to speaking to you next time. Bye for now. So that's it for today. And thanks for listening to the Independent School Podcast. If you want to make sure that you don't miss out on future episodes, you can sign up for my newsletter at www.consultjuliet.com 
www.ipsoc.co.uk/signup. There you can also explore the various ways that I help independent schools to strengthen their income streams and secure their future. Fantastic. See you next time then.